It's time for the latest local, regional, and national sports topics of the day. It's the Sports Fan, presented by J&K Contracting. Ready? Now, from the WATH studios, here's Cade Williamson. Hello, 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 hello. Welcome into the Sports Fan here, sponsored by J&K Contracting. We've got a great show for you today. I'm Cade Williamson, and joined today, I've got Tim Hanna with going, me, Cade? ready to talk some football. Tim, how we doing? Fantastic, fantastic weekend of college football, and man, when we were talking earlier, so many different games, and I don't know if we're going to have time to talk about all of them. Yeah, I know. I mean, we talked about a couple games we want to highlight today. It's going to be a college football-centered show, and we're going to end the show uh, with tonight's game, the final game to wrap up week one of the college football scene, but we'll start it off with the Ohio Bobcats down here. Started off the season with a big victory over the Florida Atlantic Owls. Personally, I didn't see the Bobcats pulling this one out, but the offense looked solid in the second half. I mean, Curtis Roark, 345 yards passing. That's an average of 10.1 per pass, 21 for 34. That's an impressive stat line as well. Four touchdowns, no interceptions. Had a solid day back there for Curtis Roark and was the MAC player of the week offensively for week one. So that's something you want to see. And the Bobcats got it out 41-38 over the Owls. An interesting victory. How do you think about it, Sam? One of the things I think that stuck out to me coming into this season was how this offense was going to look. You lose a couple of key playmakers um, in the offseason, Demontre Tuggle, Armani Rogers. How is this team going to be able to move the football down the field? Curtis Rourke didn't look great last year, um, but his first year in that starting role. So to be expected, I think. Um, but this year, you could tell that he's, he's put in some solid work in the offseason. I know he was up in Canada working with his brother uh, a little bit in the offseason. And um, Bangura, too, coming in, being able yeah. to carry the ball like that with a depleted running room. I, he, he wasn't going to be the starter coming in. Uh, unfortunately, O'Shawn Allison went down uh, right at the end of training camp. Um, but I thought he did a really good job. Yeah, and also, I think we were talking about a little bit before the show, some of the receivers, James Bostic had a good night, 136 yards. They said the Vanderbilt transfer right there. Uh, Ty Walton back again for another year at 64 yards and six receptions. But the main guy, the Ohio State transfer, Sam Wiggles, two touchdowns, 59 yards, five receptions. Pretty solid night for the Ohio State transfer, wouldn't you say, Tim? That's a pretty solid, pretty solid stat line, and, and that's a guy that, that Curtis is going to have to rely on this year, I think, just with that running room room not being as deep as it has been in past years. Uh, is Julian Ross still out uh, with that injury? We should get him back. I believe Coach Albin said when, when conference play starts. Yeah, I think that I saw that uh, press conference earlier today that he said something that Julian Ross should be back and ready to go for conference play, which, like you said, that's something you want to see from the Bobcats. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that it, it, they're going to have to rely on those two guys, and, and Sam Welton as well, too, um, as the season kind of gets going a little bit, start to establish that, uh, because the defense the defense still needs work. And speaking about not just the defense, but yeah, the defense looked a little shaky, especially in that second half when they were up by a, quite a bit there, almost gave the game away, but held on a good, solid defensive stop uh, that ended the ball game. Uh, but the other thing is special teams. Nathaniel Vakos, the kicker, the freshman kicker, I believe he's from, I'm not, if I'm not, Avon. Hey, I was just Avon. Saying, Avon, yep. he was up up north near Cleveland there. Uh, he calls himself a five-star kicker, even though one can't really be a five-star kicker. But still, I mean, when you look at how he played the other night, I think that the, the special teams might be solved for the Bobcats. Last year, they didn't really have the best overall special teams. Had a couple games that fell to the wayside because of, of poor kicking. But Bacos went two for two, uh, kicking field goals, and made all of his extra points. 36-yard um, field goal was his longest, and... That's something you want to see. That's definitely a positive thing to take out of this game, and it could have turned the tide of this game. It is, and we were talking about it before the game. Uh, some of the games last year that stuck out, you look at the Duquesne game uh, or the Central Michigan game, both of those games, uh, three score or three points or less, uh, and due to that, a, a couple of missed kicks, uh, extra points, field goals, things like that. Um, so that's definitely something that, that Coach Alvin and, and the staff are, are excited to see. Uh, and, and should win the Bobcats a couple of games, especially when you start getting into those gritty Tuesday, Wednesday night MAC games later in the year. Yeah, definitely a, an impressive victory for the Bobcats to start out the season. Starting off 1-0, but then they have to travel to Beaver Stadium. 
uh, and have to go play the Penn State Nittany Lions for the Week 2 matchup. A very difficult opponent. Uh, we'll get a little bit more on Penn State later in the show, but another Big Ten team and another team that we have on our stations here at WATH and WXDQ in Athens are the Ohio State Buckeyes. Uh, they, the, all eyes of the country were really on this game between them and Notre Dame. A lot of people thought that Ohio State was going to run away with it. I, as an Ohio State fan, didn't exactly think it was going to be a blowout. I, I yeah, thought that 17, Notre Dame... 17 and a half points is a lot yeah. for a home opener against a top five team in the country. It's a lot to ask yeah, for. Yeah, I, I thought that they might cover, but I thought that they would maybe cover by one. I, I personally, I thought the final score was going to be 42-24. Instead, the defense, the defense is plural. Both showed up in this ballgame, uh, specifically for Ohio State. Uh, Mike Hall on the defensive line was one of the better guys. That, and the Tommy Eichenberg, the linebacker. Uh, Eichenberg was a guy that didn't exactly have the best season last year, but Ohio State has finally put him in a role that he needs to be in. He's going to be a pass rusher. That's exactly, and a run stopper. That's what Eichenberg is going to be. He's not exactly the best when it comes to coverage, but when you put him in that situation where he can attack the quarterback and attack the rush, he's so much more efficient, and it showed it last, or correction, Saturday night as we're here on Monday. Happy Labor Day, everybody. But, um, yeah, I, I thought I was very impressed by the Ohio State defense, both in Mike Hall and, and Tommy Eichenberg. Uh, but I don't know if you saw this. Josh Proctor, first play of the game, uh, that first big play that Notre Dame had down the sidelines, he's the one who missed that tackle. Only game, he, only play he had all day. Lathan Ransom came into the ballgame, stepped up, had a pretty solid game himself. But the defense looked impressive from Ohio State. They did, and and you could tell that Jim Knowles has fully implemented his system, uh, trying to move on uh, from some of the things that happened on that Ohio State defense last year. Uh, and, and things are looking up, as you, you talked about. Josh Proctor, a guy that not a ton of Ohio State fans, I think, are like to see him in, in big spots yeah. uh, after some of the things that happened last year. But definitely some things looking up. And, and Notre Dame is a good team. Don't let whatever you may hear about Notre Dame fool you. Um, they, they are a, a solid team, and, and my guess is they'll probably drop down to seven or eight in the polls, but not going not gonna to go very far down, and, and we'll probably stay around there the rest of the year. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I think Notre Dame could be a team that ends up going 10-2, 9-3. That's where I, I could see them being. Uh, they got a couple tough games, a couple out-of-conference tough games uh, coming up later in the season. I know they got to take on USC uh, this year, which is going to be a very interesting ball game, especially with Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams out there, as well as Jordan Addison for USC. Uh, and their offense looked quite well in week one. But when you turn it over to the offense for Ohio State in this ballgame, C.J. Stroud, um, he had a couple plays where he looked a little bit rushed. Uh, still looks like he needs to develop a little bit. Could have been, you know, first week of the season. Um, but a typical C.J. Stroud performance in a big game. Uh, he he, he made, did his job when he needed to do. He got out of the pocket. Some throws that he had on the run were amazing, and not to mention the catches. Uh, that he had from some of his receivers. And then on the ground, uh, when Ohio State decided to run the ball outside of the tackles, I thought that's when they had their most success. It did, and it kind of changed the momentum of the game, too. They were, that first half, they were really just stuck in, you know, maybe getting one or two first downs, and then, well, we got a punt again. Not not really getting a whole lot of plays, a whole lot of time in plus territory. And like you said, they came out that second half and, and decided to run the ball outside the tackles, and you saw a couple of really big drives there in that third quarter uh, that really kind of changed the momentum of this game. Yeah, especially with Mayan Williams. Uh, Mayan Williams, that one drive that he had in the third quarter, he just was a grown man. It's like Ohio State got uh, past the Notre Dame 40 and just decided to hand the ball off to Mayan, and Mayan just worked his way, grinded his way out. I, lo I love the way he runs. He's a, he's a bruiser. That's how I love him. Uh, he's a guy that's going to earn every single yard he's going to get, and he's going to grind for that or those carries. More, more so, unlike Travion, Travion's more of a guy that's going to hit the hole, he's going to hit it quick, and he's just going to get, you know, six, five, six, four, maybe four yards here per carry. But Mayan Williams ran the ball pretty well, I will say, uh, overall. But then you look at the receiving, a non-factor in this ballgame, and a big question mark for the Buckeyes, Jackson Smith and Jigba uh, went down with an injury. Uh, I think they, they, they said that it would likely is a hamstring injury, I believe, maybe a pulled hamstring there. Uh, but when you looked at the, the awkward way he was tackling, it didn't look pretty at all. And Notre Dame really limited him, and also because of that injury. But a couple guys stepped up uh, in Mecca and Buka. 90 yards and a touchdown, nine receptions. I, I, I was very high on this guy. 
Uh, Julian Fleming was out of this ball game as well, so Igbuka had to step up on the outside. They were going to use JSN in that slot position, Igbuka on the outside. They used him efficiently. Uh, I think he won't really leave that spot this year. He's got speed. Uh, I know last year he had, had an injury that ended his season uh, prematurely, but he's a guy that I am very excited for as a Buckeye fan to see in Emeka Igbuka, as well as Marvin Harrison Jr., um, I mean, when your dad is Marvin Harrison, exactly. he, yeah. you, you would expect him to be a pretty solid receiver. And he, and he had a good night the other night, I will say. Um, one thing that I, I thought about the entire first half of this game, uh, especially when Ohio State got off to that slow start, is I started having flashbacks to, to last year's game against Oregon and against Tulsa when the Buckeyes came out really slow. Uh, C.J. Stroud didn't look comfortable overthrowing his receivers on pretty easy balls uh, for his standard, of course. Um, so being able, and then you saw him come out in the second half and, and kind of settle in to that a little bit more and, and look like the C.J. Stroud that got him to New York last year. So I think just getting comfortable, getting uh, comfortable back to that game speed uh, is something that's going to be really big for him. So some of these games they got coming up against teams like Toledo are going to be huge to, to kind of get him back into a rhythm so that when they have to go play Purdue or play Penn State, Michigan State, Michigan, teams like that this year, uh, he's going to be ready. Especially that Wisconsin game at the end of the month. Uh, at the end of September, they take on Wisconsin uh, for a, what will likely be a ranked matchup uh, in the first Big Ten game they'll have this season. Uh, that'll be a good game to really see how good is Wisconsin and if Ohio State can continue uh, to improve throughout the season against a tough typically good defensive squad um the game the game the game on saturday between notre dame it, it very much reminded me of the penn state game last year that ohio state had uh, penn state really took ohio state out of their groove uh cj stroud like, looked like he was out of rhythm a little bit there kind of figured it out later in the ball game but the only difference is kicking saved ohio state in that game noah ruggles was phenomenal in that penn state game last year when he really missed that chip shot there before the half and that was uh, that, that could have been a big swing, but um, I, you know it, I don't think it's time to panic for, uh, if it's Noah Ruggles. I mean that one would just barely skid it outside of the left upright. But, no, I agree with that. But we'll see what happens. He usually seems to be more accurate the deeper he is, but I don't think it's it's too much or too early to hit the panic button for the Ohio State Buckeyes and the special teams. No, of course not. And we saw the same thing last year with Oregon and with with Tulsa too. They they ended up pulling out the Tulsa game coming out in that second half, playing really well. But, I mean, still a lot of question marks, too. And, and there is a lot of turnover, as with all these, these big-time programs, you know, sending so many guys to the NFL every year, that it does take a couple of games uh, to get it up to speed. Because you can't replicate game speed in practice. You, you really can't. So, excuse me, having some of these guys get out there, get some reps, uh, get some more experience in game atmospheres, Big-time games, Saturday night, lights are on, the entire country's watching. Uh, that, that's huge for the development of some of these younger guys. And speaking of those other programs, we'll get to them. But first, we'll take a little bit of a quick break as you're listening to the Sports Fan, sponsored by J&K Contracting. For over 45 years, Curtis Auto Repair and Towing has served the Athens area. But did you know they also have a high-quality auto repair and maintenance shop at their Columbus Road location? The Curtis technicians know any vehicle, and they stand behind their quality work. If you own a vehicle that needs servicing, stop by Curtis Auto Repair and Towing and let them give you a quote. Curtis Auto Repair and Towing, 81 Columbus Road, Athens, or give them a call, 740-593-7048. Stay informed about the stock market from Goldsberry Wealth Strategies. Weekdays at 5.30 on 970, 97.1 FM, WATH. The report follows the news. Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Goldsberry Wealth Strategies is not a broker, dealer, and is independent of RJFS. Now, for more of the sports fan on 970 WATH. Welcome back into the sports fan, sponsored by J&K Contracting here on 970 WATH, Cade Williamson, Tim Hanna in the studio here today talking a little bit of college football, wrapping up week one here. We talked about the Bobcats and the Buckeyes uh, to start off the show, but now we'll go around the country. First, we'll start, start on those Thursday night games. Tim, 
the return of the backyard brawl was definitely a fun one to watch. Oh my goodness, what a way to start college football season. I mean, we've we talked about it all summer, man, can't wait, can't wait, can't wait. Thursday night, pretty much a standalone game as far as national television goes, uh, and, and boy, did they not disappoint. Oh no, not at all. I mean, it was a back-and-forth matchup. Unfortunately uh, for West Virginia, they were driving there. They had the lead for a while, um, and then that interception uh, that went in and out of the hands, and they ended up going back for a pick-six for Pitt, uh, really put them, put the momentum in their favor, and they just kind of rode it out from that point on. Uh, and it was unfortunate, because West Virginia was driving there late in the ball game and just slipped uh, slipped right under the hands for the touchdown there, um, which, I mean, a lot of fans were a little, yeah, about that call, but, but it was the right call nonetheless. It was. But it, like, like we said, it was a good game. It was a great game to go and watch on national television. And like you said, most of the public's eyes were on that ball game. But another ball game uh, that was a, a little bit uh, into the eyes of the public that Thursday night was a Penn State and Purdue game. Uh, a lot of people said it was the biggest game for Purdue and West Lafayette since they had... Uh, taking on the Buckeyes in 2018 and upset them, uh, the Tyler game for the Boilermakers. And it was a back-and-forth matchup. Uh, Penn State had a big or had a lead there going to half 21-10 after a big touchdown from one of their tight ends. Uh, but the play from their offense kind of struggled there in the second half, especially from Sean Clifford. Um, he had that interception that they took all the way back for Purdue, gave Purdue a decent lead, but eventually Penn State marched down the field and got that game-winning touchdown. I think Aiden O'Connell is one of the best quarterbacks in the Big Ten. He really impressed me with the kind of things that he could do on the field and not as much talent there at Purdue just because of, I mean, I mean just that program. But, I mean, Aiden O'Connell really impressed me. Comparing him to Sean Clifford, uh, guys that had Sean Clifford maybe ranked higher, probably revisiting those lists today. Yeah, I, I think in a couple other conversations I had, uh, we were talking about, well, maybe it's time to start Drew Aller if you're Penn State. I mean, he's a five-star freshman out of Medina, uh, put up great numbers last year. He's definitely going to be somebody to keep your eye on in the Big Ten in the years to come. I've got that written on my list right here. Yeah, is yeah. It, is, it says, time for a new era for Penn State, question mark. Sean Clifford's been good. Yeah. I mean, he has. He's won them big games, big moments. He's come through for them. Mm -hmm. But I think eventually you just you got to rip the Band-Aid off. They got a good guy in there, and, and I think we'll see him at some point this year. I think James Franklin, on that new contract, the expectations are high for him specifically in that program. I know it's probably going to be a down year for the Nittany Lions, but being able to just rip that Band-Aid off and, and say, Sean, thank you for five phenomenal years here. You've won us big games. We've beaten Ohio State, beaten Michigan, beaten Michigan State, um, but it's time. Yeah. And like you said about Aiden O'Connell as well on the opposite side for Purdue, 356 passing yards in that ballgame. Really, Slaying it. Yeah, an impressive game for Aiden O'Connell. And as we move a little bit further, an upset on Friday night um, that was talked a little bit about. Old Dominion once again upsets Virginia Tech in a ballgame that finished 20-17 to in favor of Old Dominion's favor. Um, another interesting upset, Vod Tech. What's, what's the problems there? They're... They're just average. They're yeah. middle-of-the-pack ACC team, and they're a tough out when you have to play them at home. Um, but they're, they're just middle-of-the-pack. And, and for ODU, they're looking like one of the best teams in the Sun Belt. They play in the, the tougher, tougher East Division of the Sun Belt. I mean, you've got to play Coastal. You've got to play Georgia State. You've got to play App State. Um, but they look good. Not something that I, th I thought I was going to be talking about at the beginning of the year. Like, holy crap, ODU looks good. Uh, and I think they'll, they'll give some of those teams a run for their money once they get into conference play. And like you talked about the Sun Belt, uh, for the first Saturday game, a noon game on, on I believe it was on ESPNU, uh, big game at that between Appalachian State and North Carolina. Uh, this one was another thriller. Uh, one of the better games this weekend to watch if you were, were tuning in for it. And UNC, uh, or UNC was up. Big in the ball game, Appalachian State scored 40 points in the fourth quarter and still did not win the ball game. I uh, went 63-61 in favor of the Tar Heels, but it was at the point where it looked like Appalachian State was going to come down. They were going to tie the ball game up and they were going to go into overtime. They go for two with, I believe, it was roughly 50 seconds, 30 seconds maybe left in the ball game, and they overthrow their guy in the end zone. And then they have to kick the onside kick. Onside kick goes a bunch of great blocks from North Carolina. Takes the onside kick to the house. 
They're up by eight points. Uh, Appalachian State gets the ball back, miraculously marches down the field, scores a touchdown, but they can't get the two-point conversion and fall by two at home. Credit to those guys for being able to move the ball down the field that quickly with no absolutely no momentum. You, you miss the two-point conversion. The onside kick goes all the way back for a touchdown. That's an eight-point swing, and you guys haven't even – your defense hasn't even made it out on the field yet. So credit to those guys for being able to move the ball down the field. Um, but if we're talking about this game, we've we got to talk about ACC quarterbacks, man. Yeah. Yeah, I know you wanted to have this discussion today, Tim, and um, I'll let you start it off with, with North Carolina. Drake May, I really like him. He's, he's I do too. one of the better quarterbacks in the ACC, I think. Um, but I'll start with this. We're gonna, I'll go back to uh, Keen Slovis, the, the Pitt quarterback. He's no Kenny Pickett, and mm-hmm. we, we knew that going into the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, more of a game manager, Stetson Bennett type guy as, as far as the, hey. way, the way that he commands the offense. Don't discredit Stetson Bennett. Oh, I'm Bennett. not. I love the mailman. I mean, I mean he had a great weekend against Oregon. We'll get to that he game, did. but I'll let you continue. So we'll start with, we'll with Keegan Silvis. I'm going to go down a list of uh, some of the other notable ACC quarterbacks, and I want you to stop me when I say a name that you think is better or is not as good as Keegan Slovis. So we'll start with DJ Clemson. No. Yeah. I mean, we'll see how they play tonight. It but, depends. Um, um, but, but who's to say that Cade Klubnik doesn't get, you know, he's a five-star guy. Uh, I believe he's now the, was the best quarterback in the class, if I'm not mistaken, that Clemson got in the offseason as a freshman this year. DJ didn't have the best season last year. A lot of question marks surrounding him. Um, and Clemson's got a ball game tonight. Like you said, we'll see how that ball game goes. But I, I, I wonder how short that leash is for DJ. I, I, I agree with that. Um, moving on, Devin Leary, the NC State quarterback, phenomenal. I think he's a top-ten quarterback in the mm-hmm. country, probably the fourth or fifth best guy that's going to go in the draft this year. Uh, Sam Hartman, he's hurt right now, the Wake Forest quarterback, yeah. but a lot of, lot of hype, a lot, mm-hmm. lot of big-time stuff from him when he does return healthy. I believe it's a non-football injury, um, so we should see him back in a couple of weeks. Tyler Van Dyke, the Miami quarterback, absolute gunslinger. Mm-hmm. I mean, that guy can throw it all over the yard. And then Drake May. Yeah. So yeah. At, at best, you're looking at Keegan Slovis being the, the sixth or seventh best quarterback yeah. in the ACC. And he's not terrible. I mean, Slovis is not terrible. No, absolutely he's, not. He, but like you said, he's more of that game manager type, uh, more of the guy that's just going to be a, a field general, command the game, keep it where it's at. Uh, but they're running back. Pitt's running back Hammond in that ballgame against West Virginia. Man, he went off. I don't know how that injury was that he had like a little bit later in the ball game. I'm not sure how much that will affect, but he had a great game overall um, from what I was seeing in that ball game. But uh, and unfortunately for Pitt too, losing Jordan Addison yeah. in the transfer portal, going over to USC. That's, mm-hmm. I mean, that's one of the best wide receivers in the country that you thought you were going to have at your disposal. Now you don't anymore. Um, so I think Pitt's in trouble. Yeah. I, I, I just don't see them having the success that they had last year. The ACC got better, in my opinion. Uh, this year with some of the guys that came in uh, from the transfer portal. Um, but, but we'll see. I mean, th- obviously they won their game, uh, so can't, can't beat starting out 1-0. Um, but it, it's going to be tough. They've got a pretty tough schedule once they start getting into ACC play. Uh, so I think it's, it's going to be tough for the Panthers this year. Yeah, right? uh, especially in that Coastal. It's really, it's really a toss-up in the Coastal this year. Uh, I think Miami... Uh, they got Mario Cristobal there this year. He's a solid coach. Their defense looks solid, exactly. too. And that's what Mario Cristobal is known for. He's back, back with Miami, his alma mater. Uh, big thing there from the area. Big guy there, Mario Cristobal. Uh, he did good things with Oregon. He really did. I mean, he beat Ohio State last year. Granted, that team kind of fell off a little bit later in the season, but they ran into a tough Utah team. Uh, Utah, a, a program that just gets better as the season goes on. That's just how they roll. Um but, yeah, I think the Colts was wide open. Right now, if I had to pick a team, I'd say Miami. But North Carolina's look solid. Um, they're, you know, they're, they're, Pitt, Pitt could maybe. Uh, oh, they could. I mean, uh, don't, don't rule out the Panthers. Absolutely I mean, things not. Things could happen. No. They, and they've got a good program up there, too. A lot of guys uh, tasted that success last year, and they're not going to just keel over because they lost their quarterback and their wide receiver. They, these guys are pretty much professional athletes, so they – They'll keep it. They'll keep it rolling. I'm just, it's just going to be tougher uh, when you don't have a guy that can go out and make plays. You've got to kind of help him out a li- Not help him out, but you got to know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, you've got to have the pieces around him, and that's why Stetson Bennett's so effective down there at Georgia because they've got playmakers 
at every position on yes. that field. Yes, they do. I mean, Georgia recruiting over the past four or five years has just been absolutely insane, and they've proved that with the talent that they've got going on to the field there. But uh, when, when you talk about, we talked a little bit about NC State. NC State and ECU is an interesting game this weekend, uh, a game that went down to the wire, and NC State squeaked it out thanks to a missed extra point and also a missed field goal from ECU. Unfortunate there. The game was at ECU, and NC State's a team that a lot of people could see as maybe a favorite for the ACC this year as well as the Atlantic. Um, uh, what are your thoughts, Tim? Uh, the Clemson game, when they play them on October 1st, I, I have it written down that uh, that game will decide the ACC yes. Atlantic. I, I uh, especially if Clemson maybe doesn't do what we think they're going to do tonight. You talked, We talked about the quarterback situation already. Um, we start to see them get in a little bit of trouble. October 1st, we'll have a winner of the ACC Atlantic, in my opinion. I think you're, in, you're right on with that one, especially since Wake Forest and having Hartman out for a questionable amount of time. A yeah, lot there's of people, no timetable exactly. for his return. and The guy they got in there now, is, is he's no Sam Hartman. Yeah, and a lot of people circled Wake Forest because they thought, well, you got Hartman back, you got the coaching staff back, you got everything back, the pieces back. They could maybe be an outside shot for the Atlantic champion, but not having Hartman's going to going to definitely put a thorn in your side there if you're Wake Forest, but we'll see how they do as the season progresses. But I thought NC State played really well yeah. in that game. Uh, uh, it's tough to play a state rival on the road first week of the season, mm -hmm. uh, and the, the Pirates have done it before, too. They've upset teams yeah. there at, Virginia, at home, too. Virginia Tech uh, yeah. in 2014 after they beat Ohio State. Virginia Tech got ranked in that ball game. They went and upset Virginia Tech. And that, you know, that Virginia Tech team beat the national championship champions there in 2014. So, like you said, it's definitely a tough place to go play. NC State got the job done uh, like they were expected to. Maybe a little bit closer than what people thought. But, but still, a, a solid victory at that. It'll look good on the resume as the year progresses. But one game that did not look good, Tim, I went San Diego or San, South Dakota State. I love I mean, it. Classic smash mouth. Yeah. Midwest football. <laughs> Two safeties and a field goal wins you the game. Yeah, and Spencer Petrus with 109 passing yards. Biggest, biggest question I have, though, of this Iowa team is, can they compete with Wisconsin? Yeah. We know their defense can. Or even but, Minnesota. Yeah. Minnesota's another team to keep an eye on in the Big Ten West of possibly making a run. But um, I, I don't know if this offense can put points on the board. It just, they looked, they almost looked lethargic. Yeah. It's just like, oh, yeah, well, Gonna go run the ball like yeah, you guys are the Iowa Hawkeyes. That's yeah. what you do. Nobody's gonna expect you to do. You've got to move. You've got to yeah. move the ball past the. I wish I had the the exact stats up, but they've got to move the ball past the 50 yard line. I believe and when I when I looked at the drive summary, it was punt, punt, field goal, punt, 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 punt. Uh, another field goal from South Dakota State. It was three three at halftime. Then two safeties from South Dakota State um, that eventually got. Iowa, their seven points in a very unconventional manner. Uh, they won seven to three over the Jackrabbits, and the Jackrabbits aren't a, aren't a bad bad FCS school by Absolutely any means. Absolutely not. One of the top uh, FCS programs, especially over the past couple years. And you, you'd be interested to see if some more of those FCS teams start to make the jump up, like how James Madison did. Yeah. Uh, they're in the Sun Belt now, and James Madison got a, you know got a victory over Middle Tennessee State, and it was an impressive win at that uh, for James Madison. Uh, you know, not a, not a bad program overall that James Madison had. Another team that uh, upset Virginia Tech, uh, I believe it was 10 or so years ago. Um, so, yeah, well, I'm interested to see. The Sun Belt is, if there's a Power Five conference that's not the, or a group of five conference, rather, uh, that is not the American that I'm very intrigued to watch this year, it's the, it's, the, it's, the, it's the Sun Belt. They've got so many, like, really consistent teams. Coastal Carolina's consistent marshall's consistent georgia state's a tough out for everybody georgia state plays a lot of sec teams and they get off to slow starts when they play it's not your usual 55 to nothing thumping uh when those those smaller schools come to play in the sec there in in late october early november so the sunbelt they they got a lot looking up and obviously app state scored 63 points or 61 points rather uh, against an acc team this weekend app state is no one wants to play in App State in oh, September. No. Not you, at you all. Do not. No. <laughs> and, and I think they proved it in, in the ball game. I mean, Chase Bryce, their quarterback, threw in 61 passing yards in that ball game. Like I said, 40 points in the fourth quarter, and you don't win. Yeah. I like, but that's not not a knock on App State. 
you know, you're playing a decent program. North Carolina's been solid. They got a good coach in Mac Brown. Um, they're, they've trying to been build something in the past couple years, maybe an outside shot for an ACC championship, but it hasn't really been the way that they wanted. But still, they're, they're a pretty solid program, I will say, in the ACC Coastal. And we'll have more to talk about after we take another quick break. Uh, you're still listening to The Sportsman on WATH, sponsored by J&K Contract. Tune in Friday night for the Athens County Game of the Week on Power 105. This week, Trimble will try to gain their first win this season against a tough OBC opponent, the Fairland Dragons. Tune in at 6.30 on Friday for the pregame with Carl Blaylock and Cade Williamson with the kickoff at 7. Fairland, Trimble, it's the Athens County Game of the Week, Friday on Power 105. Every two minutes, a woman in the U.S. is diagnosed with breast cancer. And in that split second, her life changes forever. The toll of breast cancer is great. The need to support those who are battling the disease today is even greater. We're fighting alongside patients because we know one moment can change a lifetime. United by hope, we can end breast cancer. Join our fight. Save lives. Live and local, the sports fan on 970 WATH. Are you ready for it? Welcome back to the sports fan sponsored by J&K Contracting. Cade Williamson joined by Tim Hanna here in the studios talking college football week one. Uh, handed on a lot of the games, handed on the weekday games uh, from last week. Uh, that we were rather the fall, the last weekend uh, that we had got the Thursday games, the Friday games that people's eyes were on out of the way, as well as talked a little bit about the Bobcats and the Buckeyes, uh, the two teams that we do cover here on the two stations, Power 105 and 970 WATH. But we went and talked a little bit about a couple of the noon games, a couple of the early games on Saturday. Now we're starting to travel into that 3:30 territory. And the first game was probably the third biggest game in the country this weekend, if I'm if I had to throw that shot out there. And it was between Cincinnati and Arkansas. And that game was in Fayetteville. Um, was a big game overall. A lot of people wanted to see, is Arkansas the real deal? How far has Cincinnati fallen off in this ballgame? And Arkansas ended up taking care of business in it. But it was still a very competitive ballgame. It was. And I, I think if you're, if you're Cincinnati, we'll start with them. Um, if you're Cincinnati, it, it's not that how far they're going to fall off. It's, it's how are the expectations of this team going to be managed. I mean, you think about last year, how many guys from that offense and that defense are now playing on Sundays, right? And, and you can't, if you're Cincinnati, you can't recruit like some of these other big SEC schools or even some of the Big Ten schools uh, in your neighborhood, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, Kentucky, teams like that. You just can't recruit like them. So managing expectations... Uh, and kind of knowing who you are is going to be huge for this Cincinnati team if they're going to repeat as American champions this year. Yeah, th that is true. And it's been thrown out there that who knows if they're really the favorites on the American this year. Uh, UCF is projected to be you know, another solid program. Again, they've been to the top there past couple of years. Houston's got a good ball club this year. We'll get to talking about their game that they oh had boy. in this one. <laughs> uh, a very interesting ball game. Uh, I really only caught highlights in that ball game, but still. Um, but when you, look at, when you look at Cincinnati and you look at Arkansas, Arkansas is a team that is returning K.J. Jefferson. Uh, they've got Sam Pittman Dog. back. You know, one of their head coach is back. He's a, big, uh, a great guy to have in that program. Um, they had a couple big games last year. Uh, they had that game at Georgia where a lot of people thought that maybe they could have had an outside chance to compete in that ball game, and Georgia just slammed them. Um, and I think it could be, but they also had the game against Alabama where they looked very competitive late in that ball game, staged a comeback, unfortunately couldn't pull it out against Alabama, but was still uh, an exciting ball game to watch um, nonetheless in that one. But, uh, you know, we, we'll see how Arkansas can do. I think that they have an outside, I think they have a chance to really be the second best team in the SEC West this year. But like you said, that, or like we were talking about at the break, Tim, that October schedule is tough. The Hogs. Starting the last weekend of September, they'll go to College Station, play the, play the Aggies. You, it's always a tough out oh, yeah. when you're playing in front of the 12th man. They'll come home uh, the first weekend of October, uh, and they'll host Alabama. Not going to be favored in that one in front mm -hmm. of a home crowd. 
Uh, then they've got to go to Starksville. Then they've got to go all the way to the West Coast. They've got to play BYU, who's not an easy out either. No, not at all. Uh, and then they'll travel to Jordan-Hare. So that's, that's four, out of the, four out of the five weeks you're on the road in the middle of the season. I mean, we're going to learn a lot about this Arkansas team pretty quickly. Because if, if they go, like you, you said during the break, Kate, if they go one and four or even two and three, their chances in the SEC West to, to finish second behind Alabama are, are going to dwindle away really quickly. Yeah, and uh, Alabama, personally, I think they're the best team in the country. Uh, they looked good this week against Utah State. While it wasn't really too much crazy to hit on in that ball game, uh, just a, just a blah, now a typical Alabama opener uh, that they have every year. Interested to see what they'll do in week two against Texas. They got to travel to Austin for that ball game, um, which is interesting because usually Alabama plays those games at neutral sites, and this year they're actually traveling uh, to somebody to go play them. Now, not that Texas is the craziest team in the country, but it should definitely be. Uh, a ball game that's going to have a lot of eyes in America on. Well, the Texas faithful will show out oh, for yeah. that one. Oh, yeah. They, Very similar Texas, to what they did. Texas faithful, remember, they remember the, the, was that 2011 national championship? The uh, 2010? 10? No, 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 it was 09. It was Mark, Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram. Injury. injury. Yep. Yeah. 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 That Texas game. fans have not forgotten. No, They've they, been trying to come back ever since that. Uh, and I think they'll come to play. I don't think it's going to be as competitive as maybe some people think. I'm not sure what the line is on that, but if I had to guess, probably in the 17.5-point the range, 17-24 maybe even, but 24 seems like a lot of points, especially for Vegas. Yeah, and, and it's playing at Texas. And the last yeah. time Texas hosted a big SEC opponent, it was a great ball game between them and LSU in 2019. Uh, and that Seven really, overtimes. Yeah, you're thinking uh, an A&M ball yeah. game. I'm, uh, the... the the really the start of Joe Burrow's crazy season uh, that year, the Heisman season that he had in 2019 uh, for the Tigers uh, between them and the Longhorns, that was on national television. But the SEC West, you've also got A&M. A&M got off to a really slow start in their ball game uh, against Sam Houston. Uh, not a bad FCS program as well. A very solid and respectable FCS program there with Sam Houston. But you know we'll we'll see how the top of that. SEC West goes. I think it's a three-horse race uh, between Alabama, Arkansas, and A&M, but Alabama is clearly uh, the stallion ahead uh, right now with the other two kind of neck and neck in that race, and we'll see how it goes. Um, but like you said, biggest question for Texas A&M has got to be who's going to play quarterback. Exactly. There's so many questions surrounding it. Is it going to be uh, Haynes King or uh, Max Johnson, Blake Boss, like no one yeah. really knows, yeah. and I, I don't think I don't think Jimbo knows yeah, either. I don't, I, think, I don't think so. Either. I think Hayden King or Harris, uh, yeah King was the the guy that they wanted to start the year off with. Played really well in camp. Heard a lot about him, uh, especially watching like SEC Media Day. Mm -hmm. uh, people really liked what they saw from him in the spring, but they also didn't. Yeah. And Max Johnson came for, came over from LSU mm -hmm. and played really good last good enough last year. And um, I think, unfortunately, he had an injury there that yeah. kind of puts, puts him on the sideline right now. So he's an option that they couldn't really use. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, the, the questions for Texas A&M, I, I think everywhere else they're pretty, they're pretty solid, I will say. I, I, I think they'll give Alabama a game whenever they, they travel uh, to Tuscaloosa this year. But, I, you know, it's early in the season. It's hard to base your rankings right now. We're still in the early stages of teams, figuring teams out, what teams are going to do. Um, and then we'll, we'll figure that out as the season progresses. But yeah. there's a couple teams that you don't really want to want to count out yet. Um, and it's a team that you definitely don't want to count out from the SEC East, the Georgia Bulldogs. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, laid a thumping on the Oregon Ducks uh, there in Atlanta for the Chick-fil-A kickoff in that ball game. I mean, 49-3 all. Georgia in that ball game, um, you, you know, Georgia. There's there's a couple questions of how how much the t the talent was going to fall off. They lost a lot of great guys on defense. Uh, they lost George Pickens. They lost their two main running backs that they had last year. But the one position where I think they're really solid, tight end. I mean, yes. it, it, the big oh highlight goodness. this weekend was I believe it was their six seven uh, tight end. Uh, number zero, I, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he had a fantastic play in that ball game. Um, 
And then one of their other tight ends, I believe his number was 84, 87, maybe in that ball game, had, had a great day as well. Uh, I can't I can't remember their names off the top of my head. Just kind of saw highlights of that game. I didn't really watch it live, but Georgia looked good. Stetson Bennett looked really impressive. I will say that he ball. did. Yeah, I was kind of kind of dogging him a little bit at the at the beginning, but we we knew what he was from last year. He's a game manager. There's a reason they call him the mailman. Yep. Um, but he he does what he does very well. He understands each different component of that offense, being able to use those tight ends, the receivers, their running backs, um, and, and he does it really effectively. And, and so I think if, if you're Kirby Smart and the, and the Georgia Bulldogs, you've got really nothing to worry about. Got to just keep your eye on getting back to, to Atlanta for that SEC title game and probably, probably the playoffs. We'll have to see how obviously anything can happen. We're talking about things in, in December right now. Uh, we've only seen one week of college football, but... I, I think things are things are looking good in, in Athens. Yeah, the the other Athens that is for the Georgia Bulldogs. Um, like you said, good start. Stetson Bennis did his job, but when you look at Oregon, quarterback's got to be figured out. I mean, Bo Nix is not the answer, and and I knew personally Bo Nix was not going to be the answer for them this year. There's just not enough playmakers on that offense. Bo Nix, another one of those guys. We saw what he did at Auburn. Pretty much mediocre. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's just kind of what he was, and, and there's just not enough playmakers on that Oregon offense to be able to support the kind of things that, that they're going to get from Bo Nix. Um, one thing I did have written down, Noah Sewell, one yeah. of the best linebackers in college. I mean, that mm-hmm. guy is, un- I mean, he's incredible, and playing against the SEC kind of, he had an okay game, yeah. but just the way that the way that he moves out on the field is he, he's one of the best linebackers in, in college football. Especially when you got Dan Lanning as your head coach, a very defensive-minded yep. coach. That's former a, Georgia defensive exactly. coordinator. And that was a, a main story going into that ball game was that he was a, a former defensive coordinator for Georgia, uh, and then he took the job at, at Oregon now, and uh, he ended up matching up week one. And unfortunately for him, his defense didn't really come to play in that one, 49-3. Uh, in favor of Georgia. For Oregon, that's... So, I, I, I also... When you talk about these big games at the beginning of the year, the the, the crossover, uh, big-time uh, games, you, you got to look at good wins and good losses, right? So, that was a bad loss. When we start talking college football playoff, that's a bad loss. The committee's not going to like that one when, let's just say, Oregon's 10-2 and two at the end of the year, Pac-12 champs versus a, versus a Georgia team or a Utah team or somebody like that that's, that's got the same pretty much on paper, and they start going and looking at, at good losses versus bad losses, this is a bad loss. Yeah. And, and we'll get to the, the Utah game later, but that was a good loss for Utah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and a lot of people are underestimating that Florida team that Utah lost to. It's tough to play in the swamp. It man. is tough to play in the swamp, especially against Anthony Richardson, who had an amazing game there against Utah. But it, we'll not get ahead of ourselves a little too quickly <laughs> uh, here, Tim. But, but before we get to that... Houston UTSA game. Uh, recent news uh, earlier in the weekend that came out: College football playoff will be expanding to 12 teams um, come 2026. That's when it'll take effect. Um, and with that, the quarterfinal games will be hosted at the uh, home site for the higher seeds, which is your five through eight seeds uh, playing the nine through 12 seeds. Those will be hosted. Uh, at the at the home sites for those teams, and then you go, or rather, I guess that's the opening round, and then the quarterfinal games uh, will be neutral sites where the technically the one, two, three, four seeds would be the home teams, uh, in quotes there, uh, and then you have your semifinal matchups, and then you've got your national championship game, and if I'm not mistaken, the six best conference champions will all be taken, all of the Power Five. Uh, will will be into effect there. At least that's the assumption from what I got. And one group of five, the best group of five champion, will also be included with that, as well as six at-larges. Correct. Yeah, that's what I got from that. Um, For college football, I think it's a win-win. It's phenomenal. I I I honestly think it is. The only thing you can look at from that and say that that's a mistake or that needs change, and and we always do this, but the, the one thing that I think will get fixed probably pretty quickly is having the top four seeds play a neutral site game. Yeah. But if you're four through four through eight getting at home game, could you imagine how outraged Ohio State fans are going to be when they're the number two team in the country 
and they've got to go play a neutral site game, but the number seven team, yeah. let's say it's Michigan. Yeah. Michigan will get a home game, home playoff game, and Ohio State isn't. Yeah. That's that's not going to sit well with some of these really dedicated, hardcore fan bases that that love the atmospheres that they play at. Like a playoff game at the Shoe. Oh my that's gosh. Phenomenal. Be rocking. Yeah. Especially if you have to play a team from the South in December, mm-hmm. have them come up to the Shoe. That's a tough atmosphere. It is, and, and it reward it rewards the teams that that play better in the year too like or, or a cold a west coast team having to come they got to play in athens georgia they got to play in tuscaloosa yeah. you know what i mean and yeah it, it it rewards the teams that are doing better rather than you know like oh we got to go play at lucas oil we got to go play yeah. at mercedes-benz yeah. down in atlanta like mm-hmm. those are obviously great venues and there's a reason they host all the big events there but I, I think that it'll eventually get changed to to reward those top four teams aside from the buy uh, and I think once you start talking about revenue and things like that, too, some of these, the commissioners are going to start getting involved with, like, this is the next step yeah. to improve this to where where we're making the most amount of people happy, we're capitalizing on all the revenue, things like that. Yeah, I, I think it's definitely a good thing for college football. And to look at if it was put into effect this year, uh, one of the group of five teams that might have ended up getting in, Houston. Houston, I, I think personally, uh, them and Fresno State are two teams that I'm very high on out of a group of five teams that do quite well um, this season. Houston uh, ranked toward the bottom of the top 25 at 24th. Their first game at UTSA. UTSA, a very respectable uh, team, I believe, out of the Conference USA. Had a good season last year. Had a barn burner of a bowl game against San Diego State last year. And... They had a barn burner of a game against Houston in week one. That gained three overtimes, and Houston is, ends up pulling it out 37-35. Yeah, big game next week for the, the Cougars. they got to go to Lubbock. Well, yeah. A little Big 12, yeah, Texas yeah. interstate mm-hmm. shootout game. But I, I think we, we kind of touched on it earlier, too, when we were talking about Cincy uh, and, and Arkansas. But Houston probably the favorite to win the American. I know you like them mm-hmm. a lot more than, than some people do. I, I haven't. To be honest, I haven't look, looked a whole yeah. lot Fair at them much, but um, yeah, crazy. Love triple overtime games. Oh, so yeah. you can't. Yeah, I mean, some of the best. Free football. Some of the best, I swear. Um, but we're gonna turn it over to another uh, great game down in the swamp. Uh, we talked about it a little bit earlier in, the, in our show. Uh, Florida and Utah took on Utah seventh ranked team. A lot of people were high on Utah uh, to make the playoff uh, this year, possibly do it undefeated. Uh, but week one, they had to travel across the country, go down to Florida, play in the swamp, and Florida pulls it out 29-26. Big interception down uh, near the goal line to ice that game for the Gators. Their defense showed up when it needed to. Cam Rising, unfortunately, threw that interception, even though he had a great game uh, for Utah, as well as Anthony Richardson um, for Florida. What a ball game for him. Definitely showed out in this one for the Gators. And... Florida was a team that not very many people had a gauge on. I could see them honestly being the second best team in the SEC East this year. A team that goes maybe nine and three, uh, eight and four, possibly ten wins this year. I'm intrigued to see what they'll do in Week Two against Kentucky. Uh, an interesting matchup there between those two squads could be one of the better ranked games. I'm assuming Florida would eke their way into the top 25 after that win over Utah. A solid win though. Absolutely. Uh, and I'll be the first to say it. I underestimated Anthony Richardson. Uh, I, I spent I spent so much time this off season defending my Hendon Hooker and Will Levis takes uh, that <laughs> I, I kind of kind of forgot about Anthony Richardson. Uh, but I do not anymore. Not forgot about him. Uh, and and I think he's he's a, a, one of the better quarterbacks in the SEC. I mean, a list as long as my arm of good quarterbacks, uh, but definitely a guy that that can keep Florida competitive. Uh, absolute gamer, um, but one one question I have about Florida is like you said, what's their ceiling? Yeah. They're not going to beat Georgia. Yeah, um, but can they beat Kentucky? Can they, they beat, beat Tennessee? Tennessee? Yeah, I yeah. Think those so are those the two are two other big games that a lot of people have. Eyes. And good quarterback matchups in that too. Hendon Hooker, absolute gamer. You you yeah. know I love him. Yeah, I am very much. Him as well, I know. Uh, and and well. Will, Levis Will Levis in Kentucky too, yeah. a guy that not a lot of people like. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he can be very versatile. I'm I'm not I'm not a Levis hater by by all means. I think he's he's a D, he's a pretty solid quarterback there for Kentucky. Um, but looking at Utah, very similar to what they had last year. They lost a big game early in the season. I think they ended up having two. Uh, they had two losses there. But they bounced back. 
I mean, they bounced back quite well. Uh, a lot of people had that game against USC circled because USC is supposed to be the team on the rise this year, especially with Lincoln Riley and the offensive weapons that they have. But that game's in Utah. That game's in Salt Lake City. It's a tough place to play. Just ask Oregon. Just ask Oregon mm-hmm. how it is. So don't sleep on Utah yet, I'll say that much. Um, and, and the final game that we'll have here before we go to break and get our final takes before the end of the show was last night's ball game. LSU-Florida State. Back and forth ball game. LSU special teams did not come to play. They muffed the punt with a little over a minute left. Florida State gets the ball near the goal line. They end up fumbling the ball. LSU has it, takes over. Jaden Daniels marches down the field. They score a touchdown as time expires, and the extra point is blocked, and they lose the ball game 24-23 to Florida State. Thoughts, Tim? Let the Brian Kelly, Brian Kelly era begin. <laughs> um, Perfect. I, Perfect. He started slow at Notre Dame, but... I, th- I think if I have a take about LSU, I don't know if there's any buy-in from these players. Yeah. There's just not a lot of effort all around from really any of the guys out there. Uh, but that Florida State defense needs to work. You, yeah. you, they, they need to get better. You, you've got tough games against Wake, NC State, Clemson, uh, all coming up. They play them three weeks in a row. Uh, but giving up two 75-yard-plus drives to end a game is not the way to do it. Yeah, and we'll take a little bit of a quick break here. We'll have maybe a minute or so left after this break talking about Georgia State a little bit. And our hot picks for tonight, you're listening to the Sports Fan, 970 WATH, sponsored by Jane k Contract. When T-Mobile says we've got you covered, we mean it. We've invested billions to light up our best network yet, covering 99% of people in America, including right here in your neighborhood. And great coverage is just the beginning. Every year, families and small businesses can save up to 900 bucks versus Verizon when they switch to T-Mobile. That's right, save up to 900 bucks a year. And unlike those other guys, with our T-Mobile price lock, we guarantee we won't raise the price of your rate plan. With a network and savings like this, there's never been a better time to switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store and see if your family or small business can save up to 900 bucks when you switch today. From concrete to roofing to siding and windows, J&K Contracting has you covered from the ground up. Whether it's a room addition, a complete home build, or your commercial projects, let the professionals at J&K be of service from groundbreaking to completion. And don't forget they accept all major credit cards. They even have free seamless gutters with every complete roof installation. Don't hesitate to call J&K Contracting at 740-698-3521 for a free estimate. You're listening to 970 WATH and the Sports Fan. Welcome, welcome, welcome back into the Sports Fan. We've got a little over a minute left in our show today. Uh, Not much more to talk about, but Tim, we'll hit at it just a little bit right now. Uh, The game tonight uh, that a lot of people have their eyes on is between the two teams, Georgia State and Clemson. Uh, and I know you have a hot pick for it. What's your hot pick? I do. I'm taking the over tonight, 51 points, uh, hoping that, that we'll see Clemson kind of return to the, the Clemson that they were before, a little bit of a down year last year. Um, but Dabo brought in some new guys, kind of freshen things up a little bit, and, and we'll see if, if Clemson can go back to competing for national championships again. That we will. I think it'll be a good ball game. It's tighter than what people think. Uh, and, Tim, like you said, your hot pick is taking the over. My night, I got the Guardians over the Royals tonight. Tristan McKenzie versus Brady Singer, two solid pitchers. Uh, but tonight I'm going with the Guardians for my hot pick. Haven't got one yet, hoping to get one. Uh, we'll see how it goes. But that's been all from the sports band. Thank you for listening.